It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Jays. Millie's. Hey there, I'd like to welcome you back This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast We are the Raining Jays I am John Corrales of Mass Live And joined by J. King, the kid from The Athletic who's hanging out in Houston as the Celtics hit the road. We're going to talk about that road trip, Houston being very shorthanded potentially. Jason Tatum had some interesting comments about his progression. But since we have you here, Jay, the people, they're clamoring for Jay King's takes on the Christmas Day overtime win against Philly. They want to know what the kid thinks. Basketball is good. (laughs) Basketball is fun. Uh It was just a really entertaining game. I thought from from the start, it was clear that the Celtics were pretty locked in, and it was clear that Kyrie was just on another level. Like, that first quarter, he's played a lot of really damn good quarters for the Celtics. From an all-around perspective, I'm not sure any of them has been better than that first quarter against Philadelphia. 16 points, 5 rebounds, he took a charge. He was getting deflections. He tracked down an offensive rebound that none of the 76ers seemed particularly interested in in securing. He slapped a rebound and started a fast break the other way. Like, he was doing everything. And, and that's on top of going, like, 7 for 11 or whatever he did from the field. So just a powerhouse performance from Kyrie. And I thought it really showcased the improvements he's made this season, because it's not the same Kyrie. In some ways it is like he can still do beautiful things with the basketball. He can still put the ball in the basket as well as just about anyone on earth. But the defense is just on a completely different level. And, and I, I don't know exactly where he ranks among point guard defenders. Now I just know it's a lot better than he it used to be. Yeah, well, you could see him with the energy that he's expended throughout the season on the defensive end. It's been fantastic. And we were talking about it last night on the uh, postgame podcast where Kyrie was channeling Marcus Smart in so many ways. He, he had he was just diving in for those loose balls. The it was it overtime where he flew in to save the possession. The offensive the, rebound. Yeah, that was, that was probably the best rebound he's ever had <laughs> probably that looked like like Wes Welker old school diving between three people and catching a football like I, I I can't even comprehend how he did that and he he saved the possession he basically saved the end of the game and gave the Celtics a chance to run run things out yeah that was 
probably the best rebound of his Celtics tenure. He's just <laughs> expending energy in a way, in ways that, that he didn't before. And it's very obvious that he's, you know, he, he's talked a lot about how he wants to improve defensively and, and be this guy who can help you both ways. And, and he actually, he's actually done it. Um, like it, it's really night and day his his all-around effort from what it was before. And then Philadelphia just lagging back on screens just allowed him some some open open shots in addition to all the other scoring he did. So well uh, just a powerhouse game from yeah, him. Yeah, and that's part of part of Philadelphia's problem that they have trouble against guards that can shoot because they that's how they play pick and roll defense. They sag a lot. You you posted the photos right on Twitter where Embiid was just in the lane and Kyrie was just wide open. And Kyrie even said it last night after the game where he was kind of confused by how much space he had. But that's that's the Sixers. And part of the Sixers' problem is that they don't have anybody that can guard a point guard like that. They don't have anybody that can check Kyrie or anybody close to Kyrie's level or anybody who plays similarly to him. And the only thing they can do is hope that by sagging off and playing to for the long two, that those long twos don't fall at a, uh, an efficient enough clip to to hurt them. And if the other guy's not shooting well enough, well, then great. That's That defense works. But that's what they're hoping for. They're hoping for 19 footers out of Kyrie, but Kyrie was hitting basically everything. So that kind of didn't work for them last night. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's it's really, in, in some ways, a really fascinating matchup because obviously you have Embiid, who's going to try to beat the hell out of the Celtics down low. And you've got, you know, Ben Simmons, who the Celtics are going to abandon anytime he's at the three-point arc. And they were ridiculously aggressive helping off TJ McConnell, like to the point where I was legitimately laughing in press row at how far Kyrie Irving was playing off TJ McConnell. And, you know, you had that one play where three defenders sprinted at JJ Reddick as soon as he got the ball. And that, that was, that happened because Kyrie Irving was like a mile away from TJ McConnell and, helping extremely aggressively like as aggressively as you could possibly help and reddick was kind of like what in the hell just <laughs> happened and that was funny that that clip yeah. is so hilarious the synchronicity between the jumps and that i mean that was just it was just beautiful yeah it was unreal and then and then at the other side it's like the celtics tried to use their speed and it's what they did in the playoffs last year like Marcus Morris said it yesterday. He's like, we didn't think those guys could guard us. No disrespect to Sarge, but we didn't think those guys had any <laughs> chance of guarding us. Uh, but they, they went small a lot last year. Like, I remember game one, they had like Terry Rozier and Shane Larkin lineups, mm-hmm. which they didn't really use a lot last year. But then yesterday, you know, they, they stuck with Terry Rozier pretty deep into the fourth quarter before going away from him next to Kyrie Irving. And okay, well, if, if you guys have trouble guarding point guards, how about trying to guard two of them? <laughs> and and so it's an interesting chess match to watch. And and if if, if the Philadelphia doesn't have anybody, like Kyrie was guarding Wilson Chandler for a little while, and and Philadelphia like couldn't take advantage or didn't want to try taking advantage of that, 
And so it's, it's just interesting chess matches everywhere. And then Philadelphia, like their top guys are so freaking talented. It's a joke. Like Joel Embiid, Simmons, Butler, those guys are so talented. I'll, I'll throw a Redick in there because he's having an unbelievable year. But so it, it's it's fun to watch. I think the the East playoffs, like second round and beyond, is just going to be supremely entertaining because there are a lot of different style teams. There are a lot of talented, talented players. And I, I think it's just going to be a lot of fun once once you get in the second round beyond the East. Well, I'll tell you what. I am not afraid of Philly in a playoff series. I, I don't think – I think this – if they meet again this year, the, the only caveat is unless Philly makes a move, they need they need players that can – help them with their depth they they just they just need more guys that that can step up and play somewhat effectively because right now what if if this is the matchup they just match up terribly against the celtics they they can't guard the celtics effectively Embiid is the, the way the celtics played and i'll say it again the they, I think they played him pretty well. The and if they have Baines instead of Tice, then they're screwed. Philly is screwed. Yeah, the Tice Embiid matchup was just a bloodbath. Yeah, absolute bloodbath. Like Embiid was just posting up wherever the hell he wanted to post up. Tice had no prayer. Right, but if he's out there against Baines and if he's out there against Horford, like I think Horford generally defended him well. And Embiid is a monster or as Brad Stevens likes to call big guys like that. He's a real load, but he is going to score on basically anybody, but it's how he scores that I think makes what the Celtics do defensively. So effective because the post-ups, even if he scores on a a post-up, he usually takes three, four dribbles and if uh, if that's what it is, if he takes three, four dribbles and it takes seven, eight seconds, nine seconds, that's basically the entire possession. It's two passes, get it into Embiid and get out of the way. That keeps guys off rhythm. That makes makes it so other guys aren't touching the ball. Most of those guys are standing around. And if it's, if it's a miss and the other Sixers are standing around, it's, it's a chance to get out and take advantage and, and get out on a break. So if that's the case, I'm, I'm happy with the way that goes. The Celtics are – they let Ben Simmons do whatever. And really the, the wild card is, does Jimmy Butler go win a game for you, which, which he certainly can do. He didn't do it last night, but he, he certainly could, and he can certainly play was- better. I was stunned they didn't give it to Butler in the last position uh-huh. of, of regulation. Yeah. Absolutely stunned. I was listening to some Philly podcasts, and, and they were kind of saying the same. We talked a little bit about it last night. In the end, J.J. Redick getting a pretty good look for two is a a good a good possibility with the tie game that it's going to score. But, but the thing there is you don't have to guard Simmons. Right. Like if you ran the same set with Butler and Redick, it's a lot tougher to guard because you have to defend both players in the set. Right. So I, I was just I was I was stunned they didn't do that. Yeah, I I agree I agree, but it's that's an entirely different subject for Philly people to talk about. What do you do with Simmons in that situation? Do you call a timeout and get him out of there? I don't know, or draw something up, but. That or throw it to Embiid, see what happens. The guy's a monster. <laughs> yeah, true, but uh, but you it's know. it's tough to post up on the stretch because especially when you want the last shot. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. The play should have been Butler with the ball and something else, either or 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 even Redick with the ball and Butler. But whatever, that that's probably a better play. 
But that's the Philly game. The Celtics win in overtime, and they're on to Houston, which we will talk about in a couple of minutes. But first, when we return, Jason Tatum explaining what he thinks is the next step in his development. It's coming right up here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Start by reading the Jason Tatum quote. He says after the Philly game, "I didn't shoot it as well as I'd like. I would have liked to. For me, I think my next step as a player. Dash dash. I admire all the top players in the league and how they affect the game when they're not scoring. They just try to help their team win, and that's what I am trying to be. Just trying to affect the game." Any way possible, rebounding, getting a block, trying to get a stop, even when your shot isn't falling, because at the end of the day, all that matters is whether you win or lose, close quote. So uh, that's the quote from Jason Tatum, and it, it does sort of feel like that's a point of emphasis that he's been told, I think, recently, and he's kind of repeating it, and it's a good thing to repeat because I think it's absolutely right that... When your shot's not falling, you go out there and you do other things to help your team win. And in a way, when you watch Kyrie doing those other things when his shot is falling, that really puts the onus on these guys. Like, look, you got to go out and you got to do the little things. So uh, interesting that that Tatum said that and his shot wasn't falling, but I think he was effective in that game. He played some pretty good defense, Jay. I thought he did a pretty good job, most except for the three-point shooting. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's played defense since he got in the league, though, which which is it's Man, weird. I didn't, to hear. I didn't say it like it was a surprise, but like no, I'm 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 just saying it's weird to hear him say that because he's acting like like this is a new emphasis for him, and it's like 
pal, they've asked you to play defense and rebound ever since you got to the league. And he's always been a very good rebounder for a wing. He's leading he's, the team in rebounding. Yeah, he's always contested shots with his length and been a defender who can switch on to different guys. And to me, the thing is, though, he needs to get to the point where his ISOs don't just always result in difficult contested shots. And that to me is the next step in his evolution. Mm-hmm. Like, like get to the point where you can use a, a, a mismatch to help your team and not just to help you go and get a bucket. And I think as he gets stronger, as he gets smarter, those things will come along. But I mean, defense rebounding, those things, he's always done that. And, and maybe he's putting more of a focus on it now, but that's like, like the, he's been on the number one defense last year, number two defense or three defense, whatever they are right now this year. And he's been key parts to that. So it, it's not like a, a new thing for him. So I, I, I like it's it's a good thing that he's trying to do other things when he's not scoring, but that's kind of always been who he is too. I agree that there's uh, there's more to, and I, I think when you talk about the other stuff, do the other things, it is the stuff when he's not scoring. So yeah, it's the rebounding, which he, like you said, he does. He is the team's leading rebounder. Uh, the the ISO stuff is, I think, a key for him and for Jalen Brown, for that matter. Both of them I will eventually have to be able to find other guys consistently when they drive. And Jaylen, I thought Jalen had one of his best passing games yesterday. I, I was just getting to that. Yeah, I think Jalen Brown has has been passing pretty well. Uh, and and there's a lot of consternation with Jalen Brown. There's a lot of anger surrounding Jalen Brown. When you look at his numbers last night, he, he didn't have the best game. there yesterday but he did pass pretty well uh he had a couple of says i I think one of those was like a pocket pass down to a cutter baseline might have been to Kyrie. um but he's he has done it in spots the point is to do it more consistently but getting back to tatum i actually think the number one thing that he's got to be able to do more than anything is start to just keep the ball on the on drives we saw it was a problem last year where he was just fumbling it out of bounds without being touched. This year, I suppose his progression because at least he's being touched now. Like they're just slapping the ball out of his hands, which is a step forward. But next step is not getting it slapped out of your hands. And I think when he can start to do that, then he can start doing the things that we're talking about, which is passing and driving to pass and set other guys up and use your gravity to open up other players rather than just driving and putting your head down and hoping there's something good at the end of the rainbow. That, that's a valid point. Thank you for expounding on that. Really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, look, that, that's, that's where I think in with, with the way the, these lineups have adjusted and I think the focus has has gone to Jason Tatum a little bit now that we know that Marcus Morris and Marcus Smart are in the starting lineup pretty consistently, and it looks like that's just going to be how it is moving forward. That Tatum's the stuff that Tatum does on the floor is there's a big big emphasis. Now last night he was one of seven from three. 
he had open shots. Some of those shots were just way off and shit happens. Sometimes you just miss. He was seven of 18 overall. So that means he was six of 11 from two, which is good. And eight of nine from the line. I think the big thing, that's the other thing that we, I, I wanted to talk about there, the free throw shooting. Nine free throws last night to lead the Celtics is huge. If he can get nine free throws a game, he'll just be a dramatically different player because you can shoot 39% from the field and still drop 23 points. That's what getting to the line does for you. So if we're looking at things that Jason Tatum can do, to me, the drives and getting to the line, but it's something we've talked about a lot. Getting to the line is huge for Tatum. Oh, no doubt. Jay King coming hot with the analysis tonight. Really yeah, I'm, I'm really bringing it about you are, Tatum. You are really, I mean, so in-depth. you got to play this podcast on repeat just to get Jay's takes. Really chew on those <laughs> a little bit later. All I'm right. just a legend out here today. <laughs> Why don't we take a short break and then return to talk about this road trip. Celtics in Houston. For the, I forget what day it is, Thursday night basketball game. Uh, one of three road games before a crazy January schedule. Very home-heavy January schedule, which is nice. But Celtics on the road, we'll talk about it. We'll see if uh, Houston's going to have any of its good players when we come back here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. All right, Jay, Celtics, quick road trip, Houston, Memphis, San Antonio before returning home for four straight games to kick off January, but Houston, which I don't know, I I know they're struggling, but I still think they're a very dangerous team, except they probably won't be because Chris Paul out with the hamstring injury and according to Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle, James Harden questionable with a bruised left calf. Now, no Harden, no Chris Paul. Uh, I would say no win for the Houston Rockets. Yeah, that's probably fair. Harden has been ridiculous lately, too. And the Rockets have kind of played pretty well. They, you know, beat Oklahoma City on Christmas. They have won, I believe, seven of their last ten. Like, they're starting to turn things around. I think Harden scored 30-plus points in eight straight games, which is bonkers. Um, so they're, they're starting to resemble what people thought they were going to be. And I hope Harden plays, man. I, I want to see Harden play. No, I, I don't want to see Harden play. I think he sucks. To watch. I mean, he's he's the greatest, <laughs> the, greatest the greatest, player. the greatest what offensive player in the world. Um, he is a guy who is going to get you a ton of points. He is going to hit some ridiculous shots. He is um, definitely a fantastic player and. I don't like watching him one bit. One yeah, bit. Only, only some of us respect greatness, John. He is aesthetically displeasing. And I don't, and I, I will 
give you all of the stuff that you said. He's he's a great offensive player. He does exactly what he's supposed to do. He's get to the free throw line, get to the rim, hit these ridiculous step back threes. Sometimes he travels when he does it, but whatever. I get it. I get it. He is. So is it just the foul thing you don't like? I don't like the way he plays. I just don't like. I don't like the driving to hunt fouls and the way he just. It, the, the way he's so successful at it, I, I don't blame him. If I were him and able to do it, I would do it and average thirty plus points a game and be a freaking MVP candidate. I wouldn't. I'm not blaming him for doing it. I just don't like watching it. I don't like watching him drive into the lane with his arms out with no intention of making a basket, just trying to score bad, just just trying to get fouls. Like I just don't like watching it. Sitting there watching him take fifteen free throws a game, it doesn't doesn't do anything for me. You're you're a real Harden hater. It's that I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I think he's he, he does exactly what he's supposed to do. If he was doing it for the Celtics, but I, you're I'd a hater. Him. You're a hater. Though. That's not a hater. That's not a hater. I just don't like watching it. I don't like. I find it not pleasurable to watch as a basketball. He's a maestro. He's a he's he's five steps ahead of almost any other offensive basketball player. Sure, doesn't have to make it pretty. It's effective, no. but it's not pretty. You sit watching the guy. You like you sit there and you watch him drive in the lane and draw like specifically draw a foul and with his arms wide out, spread out like that, and you're like, ooh, baby, whoo, yes, uh, you, the yes. man's a genius. He's a genius. Free throws. Get that parade there, buddy. Can't wait to watch he's him a, take free throws. He's a genius. Yeah, no, he's great, Jay. He's great. He's an MVP candidate consistently. He deserved the MVP that he won. It, but. It's gross to watch him play. It's terrible to watch him play. I hate watching him play. I mean, my guy's an incredible passer. That he, that he, he is. He can get by anyone. He's strong as an ox. Yep. He, he hits outrageous shots at all times. Yep. Um, the, the highlights of James Harden are phenomenal. When you can condense it down to eliminate all of the bullshit, then it's amazing because then you can see all the step backs in succession the passes i will give you that the drives and the passes the alley-oops the capella are that is beautiful that is gorgeous to watch because he does it so well that he makes it look like he's going up for a layup he's perfected this little move where it looks like he's going up for a layup and it's just the exact same motion up until right at the very end where he launches it as a very short alley-oop to Capella. That that there is beautiful. It happens twice a game, three times maybe. That's the thing. That's my point with Harden. Like He does seven or eight gorgeous things a game, and you're like, wow, how is that possible? And then he does 40 things that make you go, oh, God, this again? And that's where I have a problem. Wow. Four, so so James Harden does 40 things that are aesthetically, aesthetically displeasing to you? Yes. Most of, most of what he does is aesthetically displeasing. And look, this is not a, a, a hot take here. There are plenty of people with me on this bandwagon. There are, there are a lot of people who will, who will agree with me. That watching James Harden is not pleasurable, but he is, in fact, and we will all admit it, he is, in fact, a spectacular offensive player. He's a spectacular scorer. 
He's great at what he does. It's just not so fun you, to watch. So you won't like watching a Marcus Smart, James Harden matchup? Oh, I love watching Marcus Smart go at Mar- James Harden. That that I'll, I like to watch uh, from the Marcus Smart side. But I'm not like – that's different because I'm watching it from a Celtics perspective. But watching James Harden go up against, I don't know, the Denver Nuggets or pick somebody else, I don't know, the Orlando Magic – like I'm not, well, I'm not tuning in to be like, ooh, can't wait to see what James Harden does tonight. Like I, I know what James Harden's going to do that night. He's going to hit a couple of step backs. Yeah, he's going to get forty. Yeah, he's going to do. It. He's going to hit a couple of step back threes. He's going to hit a few cr- ridiculous threes. Like he's going to get like fifteen he's gonna hit or twenty points. Floaters. He's going to. Yeah, and then he's going to take twenty free throws. He's going to have like a twenty point game and then twenty free throws on bullshit drives specifically geared towards getting free throws and not like he's driving like Isaiah Thomas did to get it fouled all the time. Like that is that part of his game really bothers me. And it's like half his points every night. Well, <laughs> what's funny is the Celtics need somebody more like Harden. Oh, absolutely. They, like they I said, could take if we... <laughs> every, every single player on their team, if they could like upgrade their Harden levels of of free throw hunting, then the Celtics would be so much better off. Sure, if they could get to the line. Sure, uh, like I said, if he was on my team, I probably I wouldn't be upset about that. But watching him for as a neutral observer, I'd be like, oh god, I can see it. I I can understand why people don't want to watch it. I don't like to watch it either. All right, I re- just I cannot respect this take. Yeah, I'm gonna put it out on Twitter. I'm gonna put a poll out on Twitter when we're done recording. I'm going to ask people, is James Harden enjoyable to watch? Yes or no? And just see where the results are. There'll be plenty of no's. Plenty of no's. I just cannot respect this take. <laughs> so did the Celtics beat the uh, Hardenless Rockets? Do they beat them with Harden? I mean, it'll be fun. It should be fun. How do they do on this the Celtics, trip? as weird as they've been this season, they've generally played pretty well against really good teams and they I know do there was up the, their game there was the bucks debacle um when they didn't have horford or morris but they didn't have horford or morris they're two probably two of the most important pieces at all times but certainly two of the most important pieces in that matchup sure um other than that like a lot of their best games the the best games they played this season have come against a top competition so i i imagine they're looking forward to it and too bad Kyrie won't have his his family celebrating Christmas with him anymore. <laughs> that was fun. But yeah, so he should just take uh, them around everywhere. I, I I really want Harden to play, even though you don't, because you're a hater. I really want Harden to play. <laughs> he is not enjoyable to watch. I'm I'm typing as we speak. I'm typing the tweet. Is James Harden enjoyable to watch? Simple answer. Simple question. Simple answers. Yes, no, and see what people say. Just, just a bad take. Bad take. It's not a bad take. It's a good take. It's a, it's a quality take. And I'm telling you, I'm sure the answer is going to be a little bit skewed because there's going to be a lot of Celtics fans. But I'm going to say that there's going to be a lot of no's, a ton of no's. We'll see what people say. We'll figure it out. Yeah, well, if, if you think our Twitter followers are smart, they're following us for a reason, because <laughs> they're dummies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point, I guess. 
Oh, God. No offense to our Twitter followers. <laughs> no. Aside from the mistake of following us, you're probably very fine people. Yes. Agreed. So we'll wrap it up there. Next time we'll talk to you will be after the Rockets game for a post-game podcast. Until then, I hope all of you new, new listeners subscribe. I hope all of you regular listeners have given us that five-star rating and a good review. And I hope you all share the podcast and tell everyone, listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, J. King and John Corrales, Locked On Celtics, Millies. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.